Let's take a seat for just a second here. As I, as I announced last week and we started uh, during prayer and fasting month, we're going to have a time of extra prayer together as a church on Sunday night. So in just a moment, I'll invite everybody down to the altar again, uh, pray together as, as families here. And uh, as I mentioned to the men on Tuesday night, uh, I want to encourage you, if it's easier for you to pray and commune with God by uh, using breath and, and your vocal cords a little bit, that is okay. As we're praying together, uh, for you to ought to be pray to a certain degree uh, here at the altar, and we'll have a, someone lead here from the pulpit. Uh, we'll Brother Gerald lead us in just a moment with that. Uh, I, I want to invite you to, to do that. Feel free to do that. That is, um, would not bother me a bit, and I don't, I don't think it should bother anybody else in here um, as we look to the Lord together. Uh, but with that, I want to encourage you to commit to prayer and fasting. And uh, I know we had a, our first week here, and we introduced it, and it was a help to me this week. I know it was a help to several members here. I want to have a time of testimony in just a minute. Anybody that has a comment on that or the Lord has answered uh, prayer, and we'll do that again next Sunday night and the following uh, Sunday evening service there. Uh, but this week is TV and or social media. And so uh, with that, uh, these are suggested fasts. Um, we're not uh, calling everybody during the week and finding out if you're committing to doing what we've uh, encouraged you to do or uh, anything like that. Um, you're welcome to do all of those things or one of those fa things or your own variation uh, of those things. And I just want to encourage you to more than just follow the, the calendar we have here. I want to encourage you above that just to fast. And uh, it, it works. I'm thankful for the that message last Sunday morning uh, on the this kinds, and I think all of us have had those things that have come up in our life that as much as we prayed and as much as we wanted God to work, uh, he did not move um, as we wanted him to at that time, and sometimes there are those this kinds, or sometimes there are those difficult situations in life or uh, strongholds in someone's life or just great needs that, that those this kinds need us to fast for and to have that extension to prayer. And so with that, I want to encourage you, as, as we pray and as you're fasting this month, we have our own request and things we're looking to, but pray for yourself. Pray for your relationship with the Lord. Pray that God will use you, help you, give you compassion for souls. Pray for your family. Pray for others in the church. Pray for our church as a whole. Um, and pray for the lost in our community. And then pray specifically, if you would, I want to ask you to pray for Open House Sunday on, on October 29th. And I'm just looking forward greatly to what God's going to do on that day and as we all pray together and look to God above anything else uh, and any, or anyone else to do some great and mighty things. And so at this time, uh, is there anybody that would like to share testimony at this time of, uh, of, what, if, of anything, any answers to prayer, anything that God's done uh, in your life this week? Anybody at all? Yes, Ms. Brenda. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So our family that isn't quite where we would want them to be or that, that we are burdened for, sometimes that's of this kind. And that, that extension of prayer can make a difference. Pray for your family. Pray for your lost family, for your saved family that's away from the Lord. 
uh, your family that's in church, you might need to just fast for them as well. But uh, that's wonderful. Any any others? Any others? makes a lot of people want to go back to school. You can get paid to go to school. Praise the Lord. Any others? All right. I just want to praise the Lord for the, we have uh, never, uh, haven't in the past forced fasts on our children. Um, our, ch- our church has done that, and for the most part, families kind of choose how they're going to handle it. For us, we would, we would remind them of what we're doing, um, but we wouldn't really uh, enforce some of the things on our kids as they were younger, but this year we've we've decided to to kind of encourage as a whole family do it together, and I it's just been awesome for me to see my my kids praying this week, and uh, they they're kind of um, on each other to to pray and lift to the Lord, and and with that I've seen some good things from my kids. They uh, even yesterday the girls didn't have enough soul winning in the morning. They wanted to go out in the afternoon and put them on our neighbors' doors and things like that, and and uh, I'm just I'm just want to praise the Lord for uh, what it's done. Uh, in my family this week. so And it's exciting to hear testimonies of, of our members and how God's working there. At this time, I want to invite everyone down to the altar uh, together and have Brother Gerald come up here. And as you come down, um, I want to make sure that uh, we understand the need for us to pray for Israel. Um, we have many promises in the Word of God. He will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. And and as Christians, it's an obligation we have to pray for those things that God tells us to pray for. And one of those things would be Israel. So as we pray for our country, our own needs, our church, our community, I would encourage you as well um, to, to pray for Israel at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time to be here today, Lord. Praise just, uh, thank you for giving us a church to come to, to pray to you and to forgive us for our sins, to come and talk to you as we're at the altar, Lord. I just pray you just uh, guide us, direct us, Lord. We also pray not to be with this open house Sunday, Lord, that people would come out. And we're praying for more people to come out. We're asking for 150, but Lord, we pray for more, even if we just uh, fill up every seat. Lord, we pray you just give us that time that we can go out and give these flyers out to people who need food. And if we just put them on their doorknobs, that we can talk to them too, Lord. Pray also now that you be with all the prayer requests that might be here in front of you, Lord, that we don't know that you're listening to other people praying. Pray you just answer their prayers, Lord. We also pray not you be with our um, country here, Lord. We're praying for the, um, for the help of this country to heal it. And we also pray for Israel, Lord, for what's going on over there. And uh, you know exactly what's happening. And we pray you could just uh, put a stop to that, Lord. And uh, just pray that you just guide them and comfort the ones that lost their loved ones there. And we just pray that you just uh, give us the time that we could be a help to them, Lord. Lord, we pray now that you just be with our um, service tonight, Lord, this month as we're fasting, Lord. And just uh, answer our prayers as we're, we're asking, Lord. Pray for ourselves. And uh, please forgive us for our sins that we do sin every day, Lord. 
And we ask that you just guide us through the days and bring us back to the next appointed times, Lord, so we can go ahead and still honor you and praise you, Lord. And we also thank you for what you've given us that we can give back to you, Lord, to help our missionaries on the field. And the people that were out there just talking to, Lord, that might need you and that would listen to us that we could explain how to get saved, Lord. Lord, we thank you now for everything you've done and everything you're going to do, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. As, you get back to our, as we get back to our seats tonight, Brother David is going to lead us in that last verse of When I See the Blood. compassion, oh boundless love, oh loving kindness, faithful and true, find peace and shelter under the blood, and I will pass, will pass over you, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood. I will pass, I will pass over you. Remain standing. Let's get our Bibles out tonight. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. We looked in the first chapter of this book this morning, and we saw a man that when he heard of the state of his people was grieved, who mourned for them, who prayed and fasted for them, and and as we saw those things that are happening, we definitely saw a man that cared for his people. He had a desire to help them and a desire for that city, the place that he had never lived, but he'd heard about, and he understood the need uh, for God to be on that place. He had a great burden for them. And uh, that application there, how much do we care? How much do I care? How much do you care? And uh, we should all not just care, but then let that care move us to action. And so we look here in Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house. And for the wall of the city, and for the house that I should enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. This morning we are looking at the thought of how much do you care? And we see a man that prayed. And tonight as we look at the second chapter, 
The message title for tonight is Pray, Obey, and Watch What God Will Do. Pray, Obey, and Watch What God Will Do. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to be in church tonight. Lord, I thank you so much for this group of believers that are gathering here tonight. Lord, all with your word in hand. And Lord, I pray that you give us all a desire to be helped by the second chapter of Nehemiah. Lord, I pray that you be with me as I preach. Help me to clearly uh, preach what you have for me to. Lord, guide me. Give me liberty. God, I pray that you be with every person in the pew today. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to put all concerns and cares aside for just a few moments. God, help us to be encouraged, uh, God, by the life of Nehemiah and his choices and his faith, his obedience to you and all that you did through him. Lord, bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. You see Nehemiah praying in the end of verse, in the end of chapter 1. And he asked God and during those four months for an opportunity to speak to King Artaxerxes about Jerusalem's problem. And this passage that we are looking at tonight explains how God exactly uh, began to answer that prayer and began to give Nehemiah the, the clearance, if, if you would, to go back to go to Jerusalem for the first time and to lead this project. And so we see in this, this chapter, first of all, the opportunity. This opportunity that was given to Nehemiah is one I, I'm not sure he expected. I know he wanted God to use him, but it was something that he had prayed for for four months. And as these four months went by, I'm sure there were times of doubt and I'm sure there were times of confusion and wondering just how God would use him or if God would even use him at all and maybe just send someone else. But we see this opportunity happening in God's perfect time. You know, Nehemiah asked God, or, or was used here in the month of Nisan, but he, he initially asked God for help in the month of Chislev. We looked there in verse 1, I referenced it this morning, four months later. For four months, this prayer with this burden for his people was prayed day after day after day, and he was praying for God to, to help his people. He's praying for God to use him if it was his will for him to do so took four months. You know, when many of us have a hard time waiting for certain things or waiting for God to answer certain prayers, there was this man that asked a co-worker why he got donuts if he was trying to diet. This man had talked about his diet and how he needed to be on a diet for so long. He'd started, then he sees him walking in with a dozen donuts. I don't know if anybody's diets have looked like that before. You can ask my wife. Uh, I, I have said many times I'm going to diet, and then she sees that I went to Chick-fil-A for breakfast on the way to work calls me out on it, but his co-worker was asking his, his, his friend why he had donuts if he was trying to lose weight, and he said, well, I came around the corner where the donut shop was, and I told God, God, if you want me to have donuts, give me a parking spot right in front of the door, and he said, on the eighth time around the building, there it was, it was waiting for me, and we see four months of prayer, it showed patience, showed persistence, it showed faith. You think there's anything we can learn from that tonight? You know, our timetable and God's timetable and what he is doing don't always line up, do they? We live in a microwave society. We, we can get things as fast as we want them often. We can go on our phone or our computer and we need some supplies for the house. The next day or two days later, they're there from Amazon on the porch waiting for us. We can have food ready to go in just minutes. 
We live in a society that wants things right now, but God's timing isn't always our timing. God doesn't always work on the speed that we think he should work on. And we we look in the the 37th Psalm, and it says there in verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. What we need to do is to seek the Lord, commit to obey him, commit to live for him, and as, as it is God's will, he will bring it to pass. Maybe we pray for a day and it happens. I praise the Lord for how, how, how God's working in, in our members' lives already, but maybe he doesn't work in a day. Maybe he doesn't work in a week. Maybe he doesn't bring that answer in a month. Maybe it's four months. Maybe it's four years. But whatever it is, if we think it's something that God would have us to have, if it is not contrary to the Bible, if it's something that, that is, we know he would want us to have, pray, pray, and pray some more. I can think of many things in my life. I'm, I'm 35 here in just a, about a, a week or two. I can think of many times in, in my 35 years on this earth as a, as a Christian that, that, that God answered prayers, and it wasn't often in my timing. I could think of just a few years ago when I went to my pastor and I, I, want, I felt it was time to, to go out and begin to look for churches and to pray for God's will in our life and I thought it would happen immediately. I, I talked to him, I had his blessing, I talked to churches and, and talked to deacon boards and had interviews but none of them felt right. As, as time went, I thought just a few months I'd be out of there and I'd be doing what it was that God had called me to do but as time went, I never had peace about any of them until a church from Midland, Texas talked to me wasn't in my timing it was a year and a half until God brought us here God's timing is in our timing you know God allowed this time for Nehemiah to pass to help him we see Nehemiah four months later no doubt the respect the king had for Nehemiah grew more than it was four months before there was great respect and there was sensitivity to Nehemiah and, and his feelings. But we look here at the end of verse 2 and what does Nehemiah say? He says, then I was very sore afraid. Nehemiah had a relationship with the king and the king saw something was wrong with him. He goes, I know you're not sick. Why are you sad? Why is your countenance different than normal? And God used this situation to answer Nehemiah's prayer in a special way. The month of Nisan is early spring and many cultures celebrated with a festival and no doubt there was great things happening in the city and, and different things going on there. And the king saw this change or sadness on Nehemiah and he wanted to know what was wrong. You know, ancient kings were not accustomed to anyone looking sad in their sight. You can look at the, the historical accounts, you can look at the, the, the rules of the day or the ways of the day and and if someone was sad in the king's sight often they would be punished for that the look of sadness was a symbol of bad news and if it's time of festival and celebration it, it would be a sign of danger in the kingdom or that things were not as great as the king says it should be for all the all the people in the city so in the sight of the king if you're in the presence of the king you would need to act no matter what you felt inside you would need to act as if everything was as great and as wonderful as you could ever hope for that's why the king looked at him and said, why, are you, why is your countenance like this? Why are you sad? You know, being in that mood 
really was a matter of life and death for Nehemiah. The king could have killed him on the spot. It happened. But in this choice that the king made, not killing Nehemiah at that moment showed there was a certain relationship or respect or care between these two men. You know, some commentators, as they look at at this, this passage, some commentators believe that Nehemiah was intentionally sad to get the king to notice. I don't believe that. Others believe he was just so burdened that his heart affected him. Either way, is it wrong to be afraid? Is it okay for us to fear? You understand the Bible says God God hath not given us a spirit of fear. But that's human nature, isn't it? And anytime those fears come, anytime those worries come, that's not from God, it's of the devil. Because God doesn't give us that. We look in Philippians chapter 4, as those fears come, as those concerns come, as those worries come in our life, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, I share it often, be careful or full of care for what? Nothing. Those fears that come, those cares that come, those burdens that come, don't be full of those. But... In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So those feelings we may feel, those fears we may feel, those burdens we may fear, he says, don't be full of care over anything, but give those over to me. And I love verse 7. As we do that, it says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Trust God. You know, God is always there. He's always with you. He's always available. There's no need to fear. But Nehemiah did. We see that fear, but then we see quickly his wisdom and boldness. He said, why are you you sad? Why is your countenance this way? I was afraid. Then in verse 3 it says, "And and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city... The place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. It's quite the statement. Because if we're aware of what's happening here, it was that king's orders that stopped any construction from going on. Now, Nehemiah is bringing that up. But Nehemiah, as that question was asked, and as God led, he took that question as an open door from God. You know, Nehemiah could have chickened out and denied right then that, that what was going on, but he sees this as an opportunity from God to speak with the king. He took this open door from God and he told the king the place of his forefathers was in ruins. So let's think about it. Four months he's had this burden. For four months he's prayed and he's fasted. He's been affected by the burden he has for his people. One day the king looks at him. Nehemiah has this burden. He looks at him and says, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? And That sounds like an open door to me, doesn't it? The king brought it up. What if, what if Nehemiah decided to wait for it to be very obvious that it was time to talk? He wants there to be some miracle or some sign. And wants God to audibly speak to him. Now talk to the king. Now go to the king. Now bring this up to him. But Nehemiah didn't wait for some miracle or some sign. As soon as that door was opened, he saw God was in it and he went. 
He prayed about something for four months. He waited and he acted when God gave him the open door he needed. And we need to do the same. If we are praying for something, if we are praying for the ability to share the gospel with somebody, if we are praying for uh, an opportunity to uh, help someone that we care about, if we are praying for God to work and God opens a door, gives you an avenue, trust him. Walk through it. Obey. Nehemiah just went there. We already know that according to customs of the day, he could have been killed for being sad. Now, he, he basically says the king had made a decision to hurt his own people. That's another strike on him, isn't it? Then we see God's control in this situation. The king could have reacted many different ways. We look in verse 4, it says, Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? What could I do for you? As we, as we look at the rest of this passage, it's pretty evident tonight that God prepared the king's heart, isn't it? He didn't punish Nehemiah for his expression. He didn't punish Nehemiah for bringing up what his decree had done to his own people. And as he was, he could have taken him, taken him to be one that was complaining about it. Instead, he asked Nehemiah how he could help him. You know, Nehemiah approached this with humility. And it is humility, not pride, that leads us to often step out in faith, trusting God to work, not us. This king is ready to help. Nehemiah counted, continued, excuse me, dependence on God. And so he says this to the king. The king says, what can I do for you? And then what does he do next? Verse 4, the end of it. So I prayed to the God of heaven. I like to imagine Nehemiah for a moment there, maybe kind of confused at what's happening. He turns around and he's, he kind of does one of these numbers and then asks God for wisdom and for help or strength as he's about to take this next step. Lord, help me here. You know, Nehemiah stops to offer this short prayer. He shows his heart wanting to do this God's way. And it reminds me of a story from that Vance Havner had told many times and written down. There was this elderly lady who had many troubles in her life. And some were real, some were not. Finally, someone in her family just looked at her and said, Grandma, we've done all we can for you. We've helped you as much as we can. You're just going to have to trust God for the rest. And she looked at her family and said, oh my, has it come to that? And the preacher that was there with them said, it always comes to that. It always goes to prayer. So we might as well begin with it, shouldn't we? You know, Nehemiah, he's in, he's in this moment with the king. He says, God, you've gotten me here. You've opened this door. Now give me wisdom to enable me to make a proper request that will be well received. Do you do that in your life? You know, we should pray every morning. We should pray throughout the day. But what about as you are operating in the world that we live in? I, I can think of times as in ministry as I'm about to go up to a hospital room with somebody that is suffering, somebody that is possibly dying or having a great trial in their life. And as, as just a man, we, I go up there wondering, how can I help these people? So one of my practices is, as I'm, as I'm in the elevator, that, that's another time, one last time for me to pray before I get to that room, asking God to help me, asking God to use me. 
So many times as I'm soul winning or witnessing to somebody that as the door continues to open and those people are seeking or, or inquiring about what I'm talking about, then I'm saying, God, help me as I deliver this in my mind. Pray for God to help in those moments. Don't just ask him for help in the morning. Continue to seek God's help. Continue to seek his wisdom throughout the day. Continue to seek his direction as you're operating in your Christian life, trying to be salt and light in this world that we live in. Pray, continue to pray. Stay in an attitude of prayer. God opened this door for him. And then we see in verse 5 the request of Nehemiah to this king. It was respectful. Turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. What can I do for you? In verse 5, he says, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah. He opened up there, he goes, If it please the king, he showed respect to him, he kept it brief, honoring the king's time. And as he's doing this, he's continuing to show submission to God, and the God-appointed authority in his life, and that's humility. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be what? Exalted. That person who focuses on exalting themselves will be, will be humbled by God, no doubt. But the person who humbles themselves will be exalted. As, as we look at Nehemiah in this whole passage, we see a constant attitude of submission to God that is demonstrated by his state of prayer, that is demonstrated by the way he's speaking to this king, that is demonstrated by how much he cares for people that he's never met. This was a humble man. And and God had brought this man in success in the world that he lived in. He was the cupbearer for the king, one of the highest positions anyone could have. And God is about to appoint him to be the leader of a group of Jews going to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, the, the walls around it to fortify that place. This humble man was exalted. And I, I want to tell you today, a Christian that prayed, but Nehemiah was, event, was ultimately going to be gone for 12 years and God allowed all this to happen. But I love that it doesn't stop there. Not only did God allow Nehemiah to leave where he was, but then God revealed a greater plan in all of this. Look at verse 8. Nehemiah acknowledged God and the hand of God for everything that was given him here. He prayed and fasted for four months, and God did all of that for his people. Now that verse reminds me of Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. I, I looked.